What a joy it is to see you in God's house this morning. This beautiful fall morning. God has given us the rest of the country is envy. Is envious of the people of South Florida this time of year. But God in his goodness gives us a little taste. Not more than we can bear though. Hallelujah. Praise God for all that he's done for us throughout this week. And bringing us back to his house. Let me take the opportunity to remind you if you want to give today. You should know all of the means at your disposal to do so. We have the offering box here in the sanctuary. We have online opportunities at our website, lhcogfl.org. You can mail your gifts however you choose to give. I want to give God thanks for those of you that support the ministry of Lighthouse Church of God. We've got a great work to do and a short time to do it. So your support of this ministry is critical to giving this community the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also want to remind you to be on the prayer call this afternoon, 5.30. Be on the call Wednesday at 12 with Reverend Les and prayer team. And Wednesday night, 7.45, we have our Bible study. So we uh, move closer to the end of the year. We'll be getting into some good things you probably will enjoy. Start talking about some of the uh, end time things. And looking at some of what God is hopefully going to do very soon. I pray, even so come Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We do want to uh, designate tomorrow as a day of intercession through fasting and prayer for the many needs of the members of the body of Christ here at Lighthouse. We're glad to report that God is working, moving. Sister Stanford has returned home from the hospital. Brother Reuben is progressing, healing, doing better each day. Yet we know that these are perilous times. And we know that some have already gone on to be with the Lord. We received news this morning of the passing of Sister Shelby. You may not know her very well. She was only with us a short time comparatively, uh, but uh, she uh, had been in hospice care and had gone on to be with the Lord. She's a faithful Christian lady, a woman of God. We don't, we don't really worry about where she is now, but we know her family is dealing with that loss, as all families have dealt with loss over this past year. So we're asking you tomorrow if you're willing, if you're able, to intercede on behalf of those who are sick, who are cut off from the body of Christ, whether it be in home care, whether it be in hospital, whether it be by uh, physical uh, situation, whether it be by spiritual situation. Uh, and you know the names, Sister Joe, Sister Inez, Brother Reuben, Sister Nell, Sister Patty, and, uh, and any others that you can think of. If you could designate a time tomorrow to intercede for them, be it your morning meal, be it your midday meal, be it your evening meal, or if you like, to do the whole day. We're just asking you to give that time over to the Lord in intercessory prayer. I believe in a God who heals, who restores, who revives, who makes whole. And uh, I know what we're up against. I, I recognize uh, as we age, as we, as we enter certain seasons of life, 
the body begins to break down, begins to uh, suffer from the consequences of our foolish choices in our younger years. I have living testimony to that. But I also know that God is merciful and gracious and kind, and he can minister to us at any season of life. He's not limited by our circumstance, he, but he will and he does need us or require us or ask us to at least do him the honor of asking, of praying, of seeking, of knocking. You may say, well, Pastor, if God wants to do something, he can just do what he's God. Well, I suppose you could think that way if you like, but every verse in this Bible tells me that God calls us into a participatory fellowship, that he wants us to be engaged in this world and engaged on behalf of one another. We are not called to spectate, to just sit idly by and let life happen. That's not what the scriptures teach us, and that's not what God has called us to do. He has called us to to be intercessors, to be mediators of his mercy, of his grace. So by faith, we will come at his word, and we will step up to this role, and we want to see as much, as many as can are able to participate to do so. Let me ask you to open your Bibles today to Ezekiel chapter 39. Uh, While you're doing that, were there any other announcements, any other matters I may have missed or overlooked? I think I got to everything. We're getting to that busy season. The holidays are rushing upon us like one of these Cat 5 storms, right? (laughs) It's like we're in the cone of... Uh, what do we call it? The candy cane cone of uh, of the path of of, of the holiday uh, whirlwind that is about to overtake us all. Uh, but we look forward to this season. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to feast. It's a time to rejoice in all the good things of God. So uh, we don't dread it. We just know it's going to be very busy and uh, very much uh, monopolize our time and energy and resources. So uh, we we give God thanks for it, but we brace ourselves for what is coming. But we do have this day, this wonderful, glorious day that God has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 39, going to read verses 21 and 22. you this morning, which say, I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my hand, which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we give thanks this morning for the precious bread of life, the word of the living God. Thank you, Lord, for these inspired scriptures that uh, you have worked to preserve, to pass down to each and every generation. Thank you, Father. And we have this word to read this morning and to comprehend and to understand in our own tongue. We give thanks, O oh God, today for the precious word of God. And we pray for the anointing that is contained within this word to be released by the power of the one who placed it there. Let your Holy Spirit bring this word to life. Let it flow freely and clearly, God, into every heart, into every mind. Help the one who speaks it today, God, for you know all his limitations. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us revelation and clarity in all these things. Let every heart and mind be prepared to receive that word. Let it take root 
let it bear fruit. These things we ask in Jesus' name. The church agrees. Amen. I want to take the opportunity this morning to give you a general uh, uh, overview or a general understanding of the various prophecies that we have been studying and, and, and going through as we've gone through the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and soon we will be into Daniel. And, and you might say, well, Daniel, pastor, is where it gets really good. <laughs> That's where all the things come to a head. But I, I want us to understand before we get there what God is doing and why God chooses the medium of prophecy to speak to his people. You know, I was thinking the other day, and I was starting to prepare the lessons for this month for Wednesday night, and and, and they're all going to be end-time-themed lessons. As we draw close to the end of the year, I kind of want to make sure, and I know we did Revelation relatively recently, but to me, time is so important that we live in. That this hour that we live in is such a critical hour. And I'm not one of these who's going to get in a pulpit and tell you I know the day or the hour. I do not. God may yet give us many more generations to preach his gospel and do his work. And if he does, I will rejoice in that. But whether Jesus comes today, tomorrow, or a hundred years from now, we live at a prophetically critical moment. God is doing something in the church. And he's doing something in the world. And I think it's incumbent upon us who know the Word of God and who read the Word of God to have an understanding, to have a clarity of what the Word of God is speaking to us in this moment. For if this moment is what I believe it to be, our actions, our faith, our behavior is going to play a critical role in the next things that take place in this world. God has always ministered to the world and ministered his plan for the world through his people. You don't need to look very far in your Bible to realize that. It was a Noah. It was an Abraham. It was a Jacob. It was a David. It was a people of uh, Moses. And it was the people of Israel himself through whom God worked, through whom God spoke through whom his actions and his glory were made manifest to all of the people and all of the nations of the world. And as it was then, so I believe it to be now. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 that God is testifying to all of the powers and all of the authorities and all of the thrones and all of the mights and all of the dominions of this world through his people, through the church. That we are God's word to the world, as this book is God's word to us. We are the ones who will either fulfill or carry out or set the stage or make the prophecy of God come alive and impact the world around us. And I can think of no more serious and solemn responsibility that we have as the people of God than to live prophetically in the moment that God has placed us in. Now, that does not mean that we are to become obsessed with times and seasons and signs and wonders, as some do. Indeed, some can't seem to, you, you've heard the phrase of losing the, uh, the forest because of the trees. Amen. Hallelujah. And there are some who are so committed to the prophetic moment that they're in that they, 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 they want to interpret every single thing that happens in the world. From this election to that economic collapse to, to that situation, that war, that conflict. And, and I remember at times even your pastor has gotten caught up in some things that as I look back now, I realize that I got off the beaten track for just a moment there. And thank God he brought me back to my senses. But when you see things happening, you cannot help. But believe, oh, this could be the moment, this could be the hour, this could be the day. And, and I, as one who has spent a lifetime of ministry, considering the, the various uh, implications of the prophecies of the scriptures, uh, I've always asked God, help me to see it the way it should be not to get caught up, not to get distracted, not to, to get bogged down in, in, in unnecessary details. That uh, that will serve more to deceive and distract 
than they do to bring any sort of clarity and understanding. So I stand before you today. Before we get there, I want to sort of set the stage and prepare you hearts and minds for what is coming, not only in the, in the scriptures that we're reading, but in the very world that's around us. And I don't think I have to spend much time convincing you that we are in prophetically significant times. What's going on in our world is, 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 and to, to use it in, 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 the, in the right context, it's biblical and it's apocalyptic. Yeah. Amen. Whether you talk about the crisis in the political realm or the crisis in the, the natural, the, the climatic realm, whether you talk about the crisis among uh, the various people groups of the world, uh, and the whole world is, is being shaken yeah. and the foundations are being overthrown. Uh, the, the, we, we talked about this very, very early. Remember Jeremiah's call to pull down, to overthrow, to uproot. And we're seeing that take place now as the, the, the powers that be are being pulled down and overthrown and uprooted. And, and the whole world is in a state of transition. A new world is coming. A new world is being birthed out of the, the, the labor pains that we're watching take place before ever and I. Let me tell you something. If you've ever wondered if you live in a significant time in history, let me assure you that you do. And let me assure you that your faith in God is going to be tested day in and day out by what you see and what you hear happening in the world around us. Jesus spoke of a time. I, again, I'm not saying this is that time, but it may very well be. Where he said he spoke of a time where he was concerned whether he would even find faith when he returned to the earth, that things would become so disorienting, would become so deceptive and so distracting that even the very elect could be deceived. And, and I tell you what, Pastor, I, I, I pray that all the time. God, do not let us become deceived. Because there's coming a force so powerful, a delusion so strong, that people will love and believe the lie and over the truth and reject the truth. So if we're going to understand the prophetic significance of the time we live in, we've got to understand the nature of prophecy itself. And so we've got to begin there and here in this verse. And you know chapters 38 and 39. If you're a prophecy student, you know these chapters very well. You've heard the names Gog and Magog probably most of your prophetic study life. Amen. These are these maybe the most significant of the Old Testament prophecies concerning that concern the actual church of the living God. And and because Revelation mentions these two names, Gog and Magog, as being tied in with the very return of Jesus Christ and, and the end of this world as we know it. I'm not here today to talk about Gog and Magog specifically. I just want you to understand the context of what Ezekiel has been prophesying over these last two chapters. But when we get to verses 21 and 22, we see the very heart of why God speaks to his people through prophecy. And we may, we may wish that God spoke to us a different way. Many is the time I said, Lord, couldn't you just have written down everything that was going to happen in the order that it was going to happen and just, you know, given us a name and a date and a time. And, you know, every once in a while he'll do that. He gave he gave Isaiah the name Cyrus about 140 years before Cyrus came to power. I said, God, can't you do that? Can't we just look in this book and see, okay, uh, oh, I see Donald Trump. Yes, okay, I get, I see it right there. Oh, Biden, I see it. Right. I would love if God would work that way. But if he worked that way, first of all, I don't know how many of us would even believe him. <laughs> and second of all, there'd be no need for faith and, and no need to pray and no need to understand. I wish God would, you know, sometimes, I, you, know, sometimes you just got to understand that God knows what he's doing. And the way he's chosen to speak to us through these mysterious prophetic statements serve a great purpose to keep every generation of believers in a state of readiness. And, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, let's understand that all of prophecy has at its core the manifestation of the glory of God. God told Isaiah, this is how you know I am God. 
I call the things that haven't happened yet as though they have happened. I speak the existence of things that do not exist before they come into existence. I tell you the last from the first. When you read those prophecies that have been fulfilled, the ones we know and can be certain have already been accomplished, we are left in awe at the incredible glory of an omniscient and omnipotent God who looked into the distant future many generations ahead of time and saw things and spoke things as they would be. What a great God we serve. Nothing in the future takes him by surprise. Nothing happens that he does not foresee and already make a part of his plan and his purpose. I will show my glory. I will set my glory. I will manifest my glory amidst the nations so that they, when they look upon the things that I have said, they will know that I am God. Everything happens for the glory of God, church. God, and, and one of the things we can understand from the glory of God is His omniscience and His omnipotence mean to us that God is in absolute control. History is not a random collection of events. The entire world, from the moment that God said, let there be light, until that final even so come, Lord Jesus, the Spirit of the living God is in control of this and every other world that exists. And all things are happening according to His will, to His purpose, to His plan. He takes the evil and He takes the good. He does not cause it. Let me be careful there because some will get the wrong idea. Some will think of God in some ways that he, he just arbitrarily decides that this nation will serve him and that nation will not. But that's not the way God works. God gives to all people the freedom to choose to live. He gives them the freedom to exercise their own liberty and their own will. But he reserves the sovereign right of a creator to take their choices and fit those choices into his predetermined plans to bring all things according to his glory and to his purpose. God is in control. And prophecy is the way in which God pulls back the curtain and pulls back the veil and shows us behind the visible things that we can see. I tell you what, I'd, I'd be genuinely distressed. I'd be genuinely concerned if I looked at what was happening in our world today and did not know that behind that visible event or visible manifestation of an event, there was the invisible spirit of God pulling the strings and guiding and directing the world according to his glory. I don't know. I would be in such a state of terror, such a state of abject hopelessness, if I thought for just a moment we were entirely on our own. Oh my God. If I thought that the real destiny of my family, my community, my nation was in the hands of the people who rule and reign over us, I would look for a cave or a hole in the ground. I'm going to tell you something. I understand why some of these people go to the desert places. I understand. I, I was watching uh, television not all that long ago uh, and stumbled across, I don't know, you probably, some of you may know about this. I, it's the first time I'd seen it, but uh, they, they call these doomsday preppers. I didn't know what a doomsday prepper was, but on the show, they have these people that they, they buy these, uh, uh, or they build these underground vaults and these, uh, these storehouses and these, uh, uh, these places out in the woods and out in the countryside and out in the deserts. And they stock them with all manner of, uh, of food and weaponry and, and supplies because they think the world's going to end. Yeah. I tell you what, if I didn't know who was in charge, I'd be right there next to him. Amen. I'd say, give me a shovel. 
Let me dig a hole out of the side of this mountain. And let me put some stuff in here, because if I thought for one moment the condition of this world was dependent upon the powers that I can see, I would have no faith, no hope, no, no comfort at all that anything could possibly turn out. And I know some people, they get themselves in such a state of anxiety about the state of things. And my concern for these people, and what I always try to tell them is, is don't get deceived. God is still in charge. Whomever he raises up and whomever he puts down, whomever he puts in power and whomever he takes out of power, it's all so that the nations will see the glory of the Creator God. I will set my glory among the nations. I will set my glory so that when they see what I have done, and what I am doing, and what I am going to do, they will know there is no God but Jehovah God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When all the plots of all people and all the heathen who plot vain things come to nothing, the king who sits upon the throne of his glory shall laugh and shall hold them in derision. He shall look at the plots of men. He shall look at the plots and strategies of the powerful and those who, are, who, who seem to be something in this world. And he will look at them and he will humble them and he will bring them down that they might know he is God alone. If he could take a Nebuchadnezzar a man who visioned himself as a head of gold. A man who believed he had conquered the known world. And he could make him eat grass like an ox. And run around like a madman and grow his hair so that it looked like the feathers of some wild vulturous bird. Imagine what he can do to the high and mighty of our day. And what he can make out of them. Church, let's not forget... Prophecy is given to us that we might know God's glory will always be served. And His purpose will always be fulfilled. Let me give you a second thing you understand here. Not only is it for the glory of God, but it's also to give comfort and assurance to the people of God. Amen. I've been talking about that. That we, through prophecy, come to understand two things. One, that we're going to be okay. Let me say that again. You, brother, you, sister, no matter what happens next, no matter what you wake up to tomorrow, no matter how things go, you are going to be okay. Your God will see to you. Pastor, I don't know. How can you say that? So many Christians suffer. It's okay if they suffer. It's okay if we all suffer. For suffering is part of the glory of Jesus Christ. But I promise you this. When the story is complete and the final chapter is written and all that is supposed to happen has happened, God's people will be okay. We will stand side by side with our Creator and with our Redeemer. And we will stand victorious. It's given as a comfort to the people of God that despite what the circumstances of the present may indicate. And I tell you what, if I was judging the future of the church by its present circumstance, I would again be in a state of absolute terror and complete hopelessness. To me, in my eyes, the church has never been in a weaker position in my lifetime. I look at the church of right now, and I'm not just talking here about Lighthouse. I'm talking about the church. We seem completely impotent, unable to affect the world and the community around us. Generation by generation becoming more and more irrelevant. An anachronistic dinosaur, a relic 
of a more superstitious age, is what they call us. The world seems content to move on without us. More and more we're being ostracized. More and more we're being pushed to the very extremes and the very fringes of society. More and more the church of the living God seems less and less able to impact the world around us. And if I really believe that for just a moment, I'd close the doors of this building. I'd tell you there's no point coming to this house. There's no point singing these songs and reading this book. But I know, but I know things are not the way they seem. That God is working in us before more powerful and eternal weight of glory. That I know God is preparing His church for a, a worldwide shaking up of the spiritual realm. The pulling down of every stronghold. The casting down of every imagination. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of the Most High God. Church, we're about to make the comeback of all comebacks. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Because I know that what dwells in his church and what dwells in his people is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And it may look night like Nighttime is upon us. It may look that the sun has set on the church of God. It may look as if our best days are behind us and the generations to come will know nothing of what we know of God. But get ready. The sun of righteousness is about to rise. The day star is about to come over the horizon and we're going to see a great and mighty move of God. It will not let us be reduced to irrelevance. For as long as the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, as long as the Spirit of the living God dwells in us, we cannot go quietly into the night. I believe that God gives us prophecy so that we will know we'll be okay. That we will be victorious. That we will be triumphant. I also believe he gives it as a warning. We ought to take these prophecies seriously. Because they do not only speak of the triumph of the church. But they also speak of the utter destruction and loss. Of those who abandon God. Of those who turn their back on God. Most of the prophetic words given in the scripture are a call to God's people to repent, to return. I think that message is for us as well today. We can only be victorious if we turn back to the power of the one true God. All these divergent paths All these alliances of power that we've made. All these compromises of testimony. All this stealth evangelism. This hide who you are and what you believe in. And hope that people leave you alone or like you a little bit. God takes very serious objection with these things. No. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in churches, seminars, camp meetings, assemblies, and been given instructions or given some class or some way of being able to reach the world without the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's possible these days to go into some churches and not even hear the name Jesus Christ. But I'm here today to tell you that God warns the backslider through his prophetic word. He warns those whose hearts would grow cold. He warns those who would see themselves uh, and their circumstances and their riches and their influence and their political power as sufficient. 
Beware the lukewarmness. Beware to say that I have all that I need without God. Prophecy is given specifically to the church to warn us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is destruction. There's a wide and broad way, a way that all can fit on, a way that has enough room for every perspective, every religious point of view, every social point of view, a way that is all-encompassing to anyone who whosoever will, but that broad and wide way which accepts everyone as they are and accepts every political, religious perspective under the sun, under the banner of inclusion and tolerance, that broad and wide way is not the way for the people of God. That our way is a narrow way, a strict way, a straight way. Prophecy is given to warn the church not to get caught up in the foolishness of the world, not to do things the way the world does them, or to use the world's wisdom, or to use the world's power and think as a substitute for God's way. Yes, our way may seem old-fashioned to some. Maybe our way is not in keeping with the times we live in. Maybe our way doesn't seem like it is socially acceptable or politically relevant or economically advantageous. But that's okay. It's okay. Because I would rather walk hand in hand with God. Take what he gives me and live without what he does not. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Church, we all, we would do well to heed the words of prophecy. We would do well to heed the words. For God time and time again came to his people and said, if you do not turn away, from this wicked path you are on. If you continue to pursue these compromised and corrupt alliances with the world, I will have no choice but to make you a byword, a laughing stock, and an example to the world of what I do with those who betray me. Yes, we take comfort and knowing that ultimately we will win. But we also must take warning that if we're going to win, we must win God's way. Come on. You know, in the world, it's all about winning. Right? In the sports world, right? I don't know how many of you follow these stories, but... There was a player on one team who's been accused of some very terrible things. Accused and not convicted, and let me be careful there. But the accusations are, by, are so numerous and so consistent that it's, it's hard to imagine it's some sort of deception. Hopefully the truth will out. But at present, this player stands accused of, of, of terrible humiliation and harassment of women. And yet, many other teams were contacting his team to see if he'd be available to be traded to them because of his talents and his abilities. You see how the world works. The world winning to, a, to the world isn't about character. It's not about winning the right way. It's about winning at all costs. And be careful, church, that you do not become infected with that disease. If we are going to win with Christ, we are going to have to win Christ's way. We're going to have to win by pursuing the way of righteousness, even though it will seem to us for a time as if it puts us at a disadvantage with the world. But prophecy is given to give us an assurance that in the end, God's people will be triumphant. Let me give you one more before I let you go. To manifest his glory, to comfort his people, and to reveal his son. 
all of prophecy is directed, that all may know who is the Lord. Revelation puts it this way, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm here today to tell you that every single thing that is happening now, that will happen in the future, and that has happened in the past, has been to do one thing, to prepare this world for the coming of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecy is not random. It has a direction to it. The theological world is theological. It is directed. It means that it has a purpose, an end goal, end mind. God does not respond or react randomly to events. It doesn't, as we said earlier, God's never surprised by the future. Something happens, God doesn't say, oh, well, I didn't see that coming, let me change gears. God doesn't change gears. From, behold, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall crush your head. All the way through every prophecy of Scripture has this purpose in mind, to reveal, to prepare the entire world for the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord, as God, that they may know, that the house of Israel and everybody else may know who is the Lord. That they may know who is the Lord. There are many gods. There are many lords, you tell me. The Muslims have their God and their Lord. The Hindus have theirs. The Jews have theirs. The Buddhists have something impersonal, but it still serves the role. You've got all these religions. How can we know, Pastor, all these different people, billions upon billions of people around the world, praying to all these different beings and all these different forces? How can we know who is the Lord of all? Read your prophecy. Read the fulfillment of those prophecies. When all is said and done, every knee will bow. If there is an Allah, he will bow his knee and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And right next to him in line will be Shiva. Right next to him in line will be all the Zeus's and the Odin's and the Jupiter's, all the demons of hell, all the great kings of the past, all of the power brokers of today. Everything is designed prophetically to fulfill this end in mind. That Jesus Christ will be known in heaven and on earth as the Lord Almighty, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and the last. He who is and was and is to come. The everlasting God, the Prince of Peace. He is the purpose of prophecy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything until that moment where he steps out from behind the veil is preparation, is advanced work. God is making the world ready. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Dynasties rise and dynasties fall. Empires cover the earth and then turn to dust. But God is prophetically building a kingdom which shall crush every other kingdom. A rock cut without hands. A mountain that will fill the whole earth. And a throne of glory upon whom one will sit forever and ever. Amen. We get caught up in some of the hows and the whys and the winds and the wheres. But let us not forget the who. Don't forget the who. Because it's all about the who. Everything is to prepare this world 
for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, hallelujah, church. Oh, praise God, church. Everything God has done, it boggles my mind, Pastor. When God is calling light into existence, he has this purpose in mind. When God is saying to the dry land, you go here, and to the water, you go here, he has this purpose in mind. When God is deciding what grasses will come out of the ground and what trees will grow to bear fruit and what animals will crawl on their legs and bellies and what animals will walk upright, he has this purpose in mind. When God is deciding where to put the sun and the moon and where to put the Orions and the Pleiades and where to put all of the stellar creatures of heaven, he has this purpose in mind. When God is deciding whether to mark Cain or avenge Abel, when God is telling Noah to build a boat, or he was telling Enoch, come up a little higher, he has this purpose in mind. When God is telling Abraham, see away from thy kindred and thy country, and go to the land that I shall show thee, he has this purpose in mind. When God tells Moses, through you I will deliver my people from the bondage of slavery, it's because he wants the world to know about the deliverer of Jesus Christ. When he gives his law and he sends his prophets, it's for this reason. When he talks to a little teenage virgin in the wilds of Galilee and says, behold, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to fulfill what Isaiah saw 800 years earlier. It's for this purpose. When he calls some fishermen to leave their nets behind, it's for this purpose. Amen. When he has a Roman soldier drive a nail and a Roman governor wash his hands, it's for this purpose. Amen. And when he rolls away a stone, it's not so the world can see an empty tomb it's so the world might know this was the reason this was the purpose all these things happened and I tell you he's still speaking to us today on this we're worried about pandemics and climate change and which party holds power and God's saying you're missing the point I'm preparing the world for the revelation of my son. Amen. That all the nations may know who is the Lord. If we take nothing else from prophecy, let us take this. Prophecy tells us of the glory of God. Prophecy gives us assurances and comforts and warnings as the people of God. But more than anything else, Prophecy prepares us for the revelation of God. Amen. That we might know who is the Lord. And prophecy gives us the answer. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His kingdom will last. The reign of his government. The government will be upon his shoulders. We're almost there, right? Can you feel it? Can you feel the ground shifting as the powers of this world scramble for glory and power and might and influence? Can you feel God shifting so that one day, one day very soon, the governments of this world, all the kings of this world will be upon his shoulders and of his kingdom, and of his peace, there shall be no end. Somebody glorify God. Somebody praise the living God. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, stand on your feet this morning and give praise to the one who is and was and ever shall be. All the prophecy is leading us to the feet of Jesus Christ. All the prophets, all the angels, all the saints cast their crowns before him. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king of kings. 
He is the Lord of Lords. And prophecy will bear it out. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Father God. Father God, prepare our hearts to show the world who he is. That the world may know he is Lord is why everything is happening around us. Oh, God, we give you glory. What manner, what manner of God is this who speaks the future before it happens, who rises up and tears down the kingdoms of men, that in the days of these kings, he might establish his throne and his glory forever and ever. Hallelujah. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come. Let us be the generation. Let us be the people that see it all fulfilled. Hallelujah. Bless the living God. I think that is the spirit of prophecy, church. And I think it is for this reason that we can come this morning as his body on earth and truly celebrate his blood and his body. Would you join me this morning in praise, triumphant praise, giving God the glory for what he has done and what he will do to make Jesus known to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said it before and I'll say it again. I'd be truly terrified. I'd be truly hopeless if I didn't know the prophetic word of God. And living in a prophetic time to me is exciting because I want to see with my own eyes. I want to see with these eyes the sky split wide open. And the Son of God come and take possession of his kingdom on earth. I do you know what? You say, I know generations have come, Pastor, believe in that very thing, and generations may come, believe in that very thing. But sooner or later, there's going to be a generation that will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. Oh, let it be us, oh God. Let it be mine, O oh God. This I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Praise his name. Oh, Father, we give thanks this morning for the body of your Son, the manifestation of that prophetic word, the word that became flesh, that took upon himself all of our infirmities, all of our wounds, all of our diseases, all of our weakness, all of the frailties of the flesh, oh God, we carried in his body on that cross. And by those stripes, we are healed. So today, we give thanks for the body. Let it be soundness. Let it be wholeness. Let it be the manifest solidity, the tangible presence of the living word of God to each and every one of us today. We give thanks and we bless it in Jesus' name. Take and eat. Be made whole in Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. For by him and through him and to him are all things. Hallelujah. We know who you are, Lord. May the world know who you are, through our actions, through our testimony. Father, we bless this cup today. 
because of this blood. Because of this blood. We can face with faith and confidence and assurance whatever happens next. Because we know that we have been secured, sealed, made whole, made new, made alive by the blood of Jesus Christ. The cup of our justification. The cup of our sanctification. The cup of our identity as new creatures in Christ. We give thanks for this cup today. Thank you for the blood of your son. The blood of the lamb that cleanses us from all sin. That makes us new. Makes us righteous. Makes us holy in your sight. For this blood we are grateful today and we give thanks in Jesus' name. Take and drink. May the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the living God. Oh, God, we give thanks. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus God. there is in knowing who is in control. What comfort there is in knowing our life is hidden in him. And that when he is manifested to the world in all of his glory, we shall be as well. The world will know we were faithful. Don't let the circumstances of the present alarm you, believer. You're hidden in Christ Jesus. I know the world's going crazy. I know we don't even recognize the world in its current condition. And we ought to be concerned about the souls of those who are being taken captive daily by this world's allurements, temptations. But we have the sure word of prophecy that God is going to take care of us and see us through and through our turmoil and tribulation, he is going to manifest his glory and he is going to show the world who is the Lord. And they will know once and for all that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he rules and he reigns forever and ever. This is our comfort. This is our strength. And this is what keeps us going in the face of all that is happening around us. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Jesus. 
This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 7.45 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.